Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll begin in chapter 13. Uh, Today is one of those days that I get the privilege of preaching live in both services, and so our order of worship will be turned around a little bit, but we so look forward to these days. The Lord is doing so much uh, in our church, in both of our services, and we're seeing new people join, lives changed, uh, people baptized, and... uh, Well, that always creates complexities uh, when new things uh, are happening and happening quickly, but we're thankful for the opportunity and the privilege. Hey, before we just jump right into 1 Samuel 13, I want to say a word about Advance the Ministry. Uh, You see on your seat, uh, when you came in, there's a brochure. You may have seen this before a week or two ago. Uh, it's a financial brochure, has a lot of information in that. I hope you'll take it home and just look through that. But one of the headings that you'll see inside that brochure simply says, advance the ministry. And so we've taken these three or four weeks and we focused a little bit, uh, not entirely in our services, but we focused a little bit in these weeks about uh, the spiritual discipline of financial giving, uh, something that the Bible speaks about a great deal. And we've been teaching Uh, some of what the Bible says about that as we've continued our series through the book of 1 Samuel. And the reason for that is obvious. We want people to excel in every part of the Christian life, in prayer, in Bible study, and in, in having a gospel influence in the lives of those around you, and also in the area of giving. But one of the things we want to do, in addition to that, which is our main focus, is we want to have a special offering next week. And not everybody will be able to participate in this, and we certainly understand. We're not going to put anybody on the spot. But we're going to have a special offering next week for those who are uh, willing and able uh, to give above and beyond their regular giving just to bless the ministries of our church. Uh, You've been faithful to give in 2022. Uh, So far, year to date, you've given more than you've ever given uh, in a a year, uh, in a year to date measurement uh, through our general fund. And we're thankful for that. But just as giving has been good, spending has been good, but good in a bad way. (laughs) Uh, Because of inflation and because of just all of the Uh, New things, exciting things that the Lord's doing around here. Spending has gone up as well. And uh, we want to walk through the next uh, two or three months in the ministries that we have on the calendar and that we're preparing for just with our best foot forward. And so those who are able, I would like you to join me next week in giving a one-time special gift. Um, What my family will do is we're going to give just what we give in a typical month. So we give about the same thing each month. Uh, but for this next month, we're going to do it twice. So we're going to give our regular gift, and then we're going to give that same amount one more time. And for some, that will be more than would be good for you to do right now. For some, perhaps you could do more. Uh, you just pray and do as the Lord leads you. As I said, there'll be no pressure about this. But I want our church to go into these last couple of months of the year and as we start 2023 uh, with, um, you know, with the ability just to be aggressive with all of our ministries and not have to make cuts, um, we are seeing such good things happen. We want to see that continue. Can I pray for that as we begin? Father in heaven, 
May you just be honored in our lives as we get an opportunity to invest in the ministries of this church. Uh, Father, I pray nobody feels pressure, but Father, that uh, many people will choose to delight in a special gift, a special generosity to the ministries of this church and to your honor and to your glory as we give this next week. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, you might wonder how you can give. You can give in all the traditional ways. There are boxes at all the exits. Uh, you can give online. Many people mail their gifts to the church. Online is probably the best, easiest way to do that. And you'll find that information on our website. I want to begin by asking a question. I think that everybody wants to ask, but no one dares to ask in church. And here's the question. Does it really matter how I live my life? I mean, at the end of the day, as a child of God, forgiven of all of my sins, past, present, and future, because of the grace and the mercy of Christ and his sacrifice for me on the cross, now, does it really matter how I live my life? Now, I know what the Bible says about uh, living for the glory and the honor of God, and we certainly want to do that. And I know what the Bible says about we ought to be so thankful for the salvation that God has given to us. Uh, that is an expression of that gratitude. We should live a life of holiness and purity and sacrifice. And I don't want to make light of that. If you've heard me preach very many times, you know that those things are uh, often a theme of my preaching. But all of that aside, does it really matter? I mean, in a material way, does it matter if I live a life of obedience and purity and generosity and sacrifice since I've been forgiven of all of my sins and shortcomings, does it really matter? Now, I know I can't live like an evil person because that might call into question the genuineness of my salvation. But could I just be average? Does it really matter if I obey sometimes and don't obey sometimes? If I pray occasionally? If I give, but I don't give faithfully, regularly, or sacrificially? If I lust just a little bit? If I tell the truth most of the time? Does it really matter? Now, there are two wrong answers to that question and one right answer. Let me share them. Wrong answer number one would, simply, would be to simply say it doesn't matter. That's wrong. It does matter. And I'm going to show you why today. Wrong answer number two would be to believe that somehow we could manipulate the Lord with our spiritual activity and we could make God pay up. Uh, there are many people who think that they hold God ransom. And they're going to make demands and they're going to live in such a way that God has to bless them. That certainly would be a, a wrong answer. You know, there are many churches that teach that. It's, um, it's just name it and claim it. If you can name it and claim it, God is obligated to give it to you. Or sometimes people will preach, just draw a circle of prayer around it and God will always give you what you want. Uh, some people will say, if you just trust God, he'll make you healthy and wealthy. Uh, we call that the prosperity gospel, and it's more prosperity and less gospel. It's not the gospel. 
but you hear people preach it all the time. I, I'll give you the names that you've heard of most often, perhaps. Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Paula White. Um, that's, that's not the right answer. That's not the right answer. We must not equate material success with God's approval. But let me give you the right answer. Yes, it matters how you live. It matters how you live. Now, let me, let me ask two more questions. And I, I want you to see that the answers to these questions are different. These are questions with distinct answers. Question number one, how is a person made right with God? How can you be right with God? And then the second question is, how does God show love to his children, to those people who are right with him? Now, those questions have uh, very different answers. And that's really the key to putting all of these pieces together. So let me answer the first question. How is a person made right with God? Well, we call that the gospel. It's... Um, it's based on the fact that all of us are guilty of sin and sin separates us from God. You hear this every single Sunday, don't you? Sin separates us from God and we're eternally separated. There's nothing I can do to overcome my sin. God is holy and I am not. And, and, and so I'm hopeless. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. But Jesus lived a sinless life for me, died on the cross for me so that my sin can be paid for. The wages of sin is death and Jesus died so that I can be forgiven and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and asked him to be the Lord and master of your life today, you can be a child of God if you'll do so. How do we become right with God? It's through the cross, the sacrifice of Christ. But then the other question, how does God show love to his children? The Bible gives us a number of ways that he does that. But one of the ways that God shows love to those who are right with him, to those who are children of God, is that God gives rewards. You know, we don't have to be prosperity gospel people. We don't have to be Kenneth Copeland to believe that the Bible is just simply telling the truth when it speaks of the rewards that God gives as an expression of his love to his children who live in obedience and would trust. Let me just read a few verses. Hebrews eleven six says that God rewards those who seek him. Luke six thirty eight. the words of Christ, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's a reward. We can turn to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and we see there that the reward that God wants to give to those that are faithful to him is a reward that is unmeasurable. Listen to this. Bring the full tithe or the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not be able to measure it, it says. And then in the next verse, it says that God will rebuke the devourer. You know who the devourer is and when things go wrong in your home. Then I think about what the apostle Paul said when he was talking about financial giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He said, the person who sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly, but the person who sows generously will reap generously. I think about what the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, said in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your harvest, and then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. How can we be right with God? It is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our faith and trust in what Christ has done for us. But how does God show us his love? One of the ways is by pouring out blessings and rewards into our lives. And I want you to see this play out in the life of Saul. King Saul, flawed leader. In fact, we're studying the fall of Saul here in our little mini-series on 1 Samuel 13 and 15. Uh, But we see when we look at the entire life of Saul that he certainly was a saved man, to use a New Testament word for an Old Testament person. But Saul did not live with obedience and trust. And we've seen that over the last several weeks as we've detailed some of this. And as a result of that, as a result of his disobedience, Saul lost his reward. And Saul was denied critical blessings. So the question of the day, does it really matter how I live my life? And we're going to see the answer starting in 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13, look at verse 13. And the Bible says, Samuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. So let me let me show you four things that we learn in Saul's life in these verses and some others that we'll read that help us to see this this truth played out that God desires to bless his children who are faithful to him. The first thing we learn from Saul's life is that Saul achieved an immediate goal, but he forfeited a future blessing. Now that's a mouthful, but listen, Saul achieved an immediate goal, but he forfeited a future blessing. What was the immediate goal? We've talked about this the last two or three weeks. What was the immediate goal in 1 Samuel chapter 13? Saul was in a struggle, was in a fight with the Philistines. And his immediate goal was to win a battle with the Philistines. And so Saul abandoned the instructions that God had given about how he was to conduct himself. And he focused solely on that goal, I must beat the Philistines. That was his immediate goal. Was Saul successful? Do you know the story? Was Saul successful at his immediate goal? He was. He defeated, at least for a time, they'll pop back up in a couple of chapters, but he defeated the Philistines. But he forfeited something much, much more valuable. Look at the end of verse 13, beginning of verse 14. Some of the saddest words in the Bible. Samuel said to Saul, Saul, it it was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel, but now your reign will not endure. 
You see, the, the thing that Saul forfeited was that he and his family would permanently reign over the nation of Israel. He achieved an immediate goal, but he forfeited a future blessing. Saul failed to appreciate what God would have done had he been obedient and had he trusted God when it was hard. You know, as we've said, we're focusing a little bit on giving. Uh, It's been a little while, 240 weeks that we didn't. And so here we are for a few weeks. And if you look at your outline in the worship guide, you'll see that there's some giving instructions at the bottom of that outline. We won't have time, I don't think, to get to that, Um, but I'll uh, I'll run through them. How does the Bible instruct us to give? It says to give financially, it says to give regularly, give proportionally, give eagerly, cheerfully, give generously and sacrificially. But why do people push against those commands? Well, I think it's because we focus on achieving an immediate goal and we fail to recognize that we're forfeiting a future goal. We don't appreciate what God might do through a man, a woman, or a student who will just live a life of obedience. When it comes to giving, I think sometimes we think if I hold on to this extra, If I hold on and don't sacrifice, then I'll be able to do such and such. It's an immediate goal. Or I'll be able to plan for a rainy day, an immediate goal. Or I'll be able to retire more quickly, an immediate goal. But in our pursuit of an immediate goal, we are forfeiting a future blessing so much greater. What a sad thing in Saul's life. Number two, very quickly, Saul was denied future blessings because he proved to be untrustworthy with present blessings. I'm just going to let you chew on that all by yourself. And I'm going to skip to the third point. Saul failed to understand that with great blessings come great responsibilities. Now turn over to first Samuel 15. And I want to read two or three verses there. So here in 15, he's not battling the Philistines, but the Amalekites. And again, he sinned, he didn't follow God's instructions. And then Samuel, God's prophet, shows up to confront him. And verse 17 says, Samuel continued, although you once considered yourself unimportant, haven't you become the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And then he sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have annihilated them. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Now, here the Lord points to these amazing and undeserved blessings that Saul had. God uh, blessed Saul. God blessed his career, right? He's now the king of Israel. God blessed him uh, in riches. He is a prosperous man now. So why didn't he obey He failed to understand that with great blessings, and all of us have been blessed, with great blessings come great responsibilities, great responsibilities. You know, oftentimes I hear people say, and sometimes I hear me say, there will be a time when I will have more money 
and more time and more freedom and more influence. And when that time comes, then I will be obedient. When that time comes, then I will serve. When that time comes, then I will give. When that time comes, then I'll honor the Lord. But what we fail to understand is the same thing that Saul failed to understand. God has already blessed me beyond what I deserve. And if, if I don't prove faithful with the blessings that I have today, if I'm not responsible with the goodness that God has shown me today, then God may not show me more blessings in the future. In the future. Well, number four, very quickly, Saul did not really believe that there would be lasting consequences for disobedience. Now listen to this because I think a lot of us are in the same place. In fact, I think people will push back against what I am about to say and that's okay. Um, Saul did. Saul just didn't believe that there would be lasting consequences for his disobedience. Now let's continue to read in 1 Samuel 15. Look at verse 25. Saul is talking back to Samuel. Samuel's confronted him about his sin. Saul says in verse 25, now therefore, please forgive my sin and return with me so I can worship the Lord. What Saul wanted Samuel to do was to say, okay, you've apologized. All is forgiven. We're back to normal. We're back to normal. That's what, uh, that's what Saul wanted. Listen, I was wrong. I messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now, let's go back. You go with me. Everything's back to normal. And see, I think that's the way we often think. I'm going to sin and I'm going to be disobedient and I'm not going to give and I'm not going to be faithful and I'm not going to be pure and I'm not going to be holy and I'm not going to be sacrificial and I'm not going to serve. But then I'm just going to ask God to forgive me and then bang, everything's back to normal. Let's see how Samuel replied. Verse 26, Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Samuel said, no, 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 I'm not going back with you. You don't understand, something's happened here. And I know you're sorry, or it seems like you're sorry, or at least you're saying you're sorry, but I'm telling you there are consequences that aren't gonna change. And you are no longer going to be the king of Israel, and I'm not gonna go back with you as if everything is normal because you said I'm sorry. Listen, the forgiveness of God is great and wonderful and limitless, but there are consequences to disobedience that often persist. Look at verses 27 and 28. When Samuel turned to go, so the man of God is walking away, Saul grabbed the corner of his robe. He's trying to stop him. Saul so wanted things to go back to normal. He grabs Samuel's robe and it tears. The next verse says, Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingship of Israel away from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you are. Saul didn't believe that consequences are often not erased with a simple, I'm sorry. We go back to the question, does it really matter how I live? It does matter. Because while we will never surpass the limit of God's forgiveness, the limit of his grace and his mercy, a lack of obedience often leads to consequences that will not be reversed. And that's true in every area of life, not just giving. It is true in giving. It's true in every area of life. I want to 
ask one more question and answer it. Uh, How's this compatible with the gospel? How is this compatible with grace? Pastor, you are always talking about grace and, and the mercy of God. Well, we touched on this earlier, but I want to be crystal clear. Our right relationship with God is not based on our obedience. Jesus lived an obedient life for me. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins. So if you are a child of God and you feel condemnation or crushing guilt because of your giving or anything else, I'm telling you that's not from the Lord. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. But obedience matters. Not the way most people think. But God finds ways to honor obedience. I heard a story about a grandfather had a teenage granddaughter. Actually, he had several teenage granddaughters. Uh, but there was one granddaughter uh, that he was particularly close to. It seemed like they were joined at the hip. Uh, she was always spending time with her grandfather. They were always going places, doing things together. And every opportunity he got when she would come around or they'd do something together, he'd shower her with gifts, as his grandfathers like to do. He would bless her in some way, sometimes in an extraordinary way. Well, this went on for a number of years, and the grandfather's pastor noticed, and one day he commented on it to the grandfather. The pastor said, it sure seems like you love this granddaughter more than you love the other granddaughters. And the grandfather replied and said, no, I love all of my grandchildren the same. And my heart overflows with a desire to bless all of my grandchildren the same. But there is a difference. The difference is not in how much I love them and want to bless them. But the difference is in how much they love me and put themselves in the place where I can bless them. The Lord wants to bless his children. But often, we don't put ourselves in a position where he can do so. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus is speaking of the people of Jerusalem. But listen to what he says. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, you know, to protect them. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, I wanted to do that for you. But you were unwilling. Church, let us be the people that live in the place and on the path and with the obedience and the trust that allows God to bless us the way he chooses. Father in heaven, I want to be faithful because of your glory and honor, because of the salvation that you have given to me. But Father, your scripture talks of rewards. And I want you to be honored in the rewards you give to me. I want to live a life where you can do that. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.